Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Conscious Queens podcast. So today's podcast is all inspired by a phone conversation that Katie and I actually had earlier today. And of course, Katie's always like, let's share this on the podcast. And I'm like, you are so so true. Why not? So let's dive in. Yeah. So the whole point of this podcast was that Kelly and I always have just these deep, meaningful, but also lighthearted, fun conversations. And so now every time we do that, I'm like, quick, get the camera out, get the mic out. We need to catch this on recording. So this is just another deep dive on what we talked about early today and elaborating on that, which is about anxious attachment in friendships. So Kelly and I have experienced in relating in our friendships, certain people that may come across in a way that seems quite anxiously attached. And you might've heard of this, it's quite well known now of, you know, your attachment styles and relationships and romantic relationships. Yeah, but most people don't realize it can come out in other ways as well, including friendships, which Callie was talking to me about how it felt to also be on the receiving end of that because both of us, we used to be anxiously attached. So there's no shame there when it comes to feeling like, oh no, I've got this pattern, this wounding, it's not good, but also just recognize um, how that might be received and noticing maybe if you're playing out that pattern, not just in your romantic relationships, but also in your platonic ones as well. Yeah, so Katie, I would love, since you are the queen of like definitions, like if I need a definition for something, I'm going to go to you. Like I know and I feel like most people listening, we all know what, um, what's the word? Anxiously attached. To be anxious. Sorry, I keep thinking about emotionally unavailable men. I don't know why. Like, that was our like other episode that we did. Yeah, and I keep thinking about that. Um, so we all kind of know and have an idea of what does it mean to be anxiously attached and all that. But let's start with a definition because you'll have a really great one that you, I don't know how, but you pull it out of your mind somewhere. <laughs> Seriously. Well, I like to just be concise and coherent in what I talk about. And when it comes to relating with people, there's three main attachment styles. There's actually a fourth one as well, which is like 1% or something of the population. But the three main ones are anxiously attached, um, secure attachment and avoidant attachment. And if you want to dive deeper into this, I really recommend the book called Attached. The cover is like two magnets or a magnet, I think on the front. So good. It even has a quiz. You can go online and do an attachment theory quiz to see what your style is. And it's essentially how we relate predominantly in our romantic relationships based off of how we were how we developed an attachment to our parents. So anxious attachment is the side of the spectrum where we rely so much and we derive our sense of worth and our sense of love in our external romantic partnership, normally romantic partnership. And so we can tend to end up having this anxious attachment style where we are almost self-abandoning ourselves. So this can look like, you know, always putting your partner Um, first instead of you always compromising sacrificing yourself feeling like you need them all the time feeling like you need validation and a sense of approval from them constantly and Callie and I have dealt with this previously in our relationships and I find that mostly women lean more towards the anxiously attached and men more towards avoidant and avoidant but it can also be the other way around I've definitely been in relationships where 
it's so funny where like I used to always be the one that's anxiously attached, but then if the guy is anxiously attached, I become avoidant. Yeah. Yeah. And we're always we can always switch. It can always change depending on the dynamic of the relationship. Anyway, sorry, yes. continue on with your definition. <laughs> well, that's it basically. And I was gonna say as well, it's really interesting how you say when you get in relationship with a man who's anxiously attached, you tap out and turn more into avoidant. Because what that does, it creates polarity in the relationship. You can't have two people anxious because that's two people leaning in, leaning in, you know, and it's not working. Or, you know, you have an anxious which is leaning in and an avoidant which is leaning out and that creates that unhealthy magnetic pull and that magnetism there. What we really want to be doing is relating from a secure place. So if you are anxious or avoidant, well, basically for an anxious, you'll attract an avoidant. If you're avoidant, you'll attract an anxious, which it's, it ends up in a very tumultuous relationship. Let's just say that. So your best bet is going with a secure person, but also learning how to manage and heal your anxious attachment or avoidant to come back into secure. So I've seen something saying, whatever it is, you're stuck with that pattern. And I can confidently say that I probably 90% healed my anxious attachment style. And I'm a lot more secure now when I relate in that. And Kelly, do you want to also give some more examples of maybe how anxious attachment has played out in your romantic relationships as well? Yeah, so I definitely remember that when I was in a sort of toxic on and off relationship, I was super anxiously attached. Like I always needed to hear from my partner. I wanted to know his location. I wanted to know what he was doing at all times of the day. Yeah, because, but what's interesting here is that because I'd been through trauma in this relationship, because he had cheated on me, because he had lied to me, because he had manipulated me, I became, that trauma made me feel, I'm not blaming the trauma, right? It's never what happened to you that makes you a certain way, but it triggers something within you that perhaps was already there. And so I already had those anxious tendencies and they came out stronger than ever in this relationship. And so I was always very needy and clingy and just, it was like, I could never get enough of my partner. Like there was nothing he could ever do to make me feel feel secure, if that makes sense. And so constantly wanting to talk, hang out, doesn't matter if we hang out for hours, it's still not enough. That was um, one of my relationships and it was super interesting diving into a different relationship at a different period in my life where my uh, it was completely switched. My partner was always wanting my attention and my affection and it made me actually want to pull away. And so it's really interesting how this dynamic, it's all like you're always into the interaction between one another is always going to be changing, right? And so it can even flip in a, in a relationship that you're currently in, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've definitely experienced that as well. And when you're in an anxious attachment style, you think that the solution to your problem is just more certainty, more Mm -hmm. affection and more love from your partner. But the paradox is no matter how much they give you, it'll never feel like enough because you're just like this empty void. And what it really stems from is this lack of self-love within. And so Mm -hmm. what really switched for me is that I went from anxiously attached, needing a partner, needing a man to satisfy me, fulfill my needs, make me feel loved, make me feel beautiful, all the things, to actually loving myself to the point now where when I relate to others, it's from a place of desire. I desire you 
you are the bonus because I already love myself. So there's no hole that you are feeling. It's two whole people coming together in beautiful union. When talking about union as well, I am going to host a masterclass um, or actually a workshop, which is called Inner Union, which is about bringing together your inner masculine and, and your inner feminine. And so really when it comes to these attachment styles and healing that, it's not pointing the blame on other people, but it's looking at the projection of why am I projecting my unmet needs onto this man or this person? And a lot of it does, unfortunately, as Kelly said, stem from trauma. Like especially if you had an unavailable father figure growing up, you probably lean towards more anxious attachment because you're trying to now heal those old wounds that yeah. you experienced as a child. And apparently our subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between uh, a caretaker and our romantic partner. It actually sees our romantic partner as our caretaker. And since our first interaction relating to someone of the opposite sex was probably a parent, that forms the basis for our future relationships, which is why our attachment styles stem from childhood versus if you were smothered as a child and you had too much, then you can end up being that avoidant attachment where you fear intimacy and vulnerability. And, and what's really that. interesting there is that if you grew up with a more like emotionally unavailable um, father figure, right or like person of the opposite sex so if you're a guy and your mother was never really there for you emotionally and things like that it's interesting because we have that wound that we haven't healed and so we can be we're more likely to then attract an avoidant partner yes. who is going to actually help us to bring this anxious attachment style mm. to the forefront but something i did really want to preface is that how do i explain this a unhealthy relationship with an avoidant partner or an emotionally unavailable man it's I would say normal to feel more anxious than you normally would than if you were in a stable healthy relationship and I know some women that I've spoken to have said okay I, they believe that they are anxiously attached and they've got all these problems but then they get out of the relationship and they realize wow it was actually that the relationship wasn't serving me and couldn't actually give me what I wanted or needed in a relationship but I think there's, it's still always valuable to reflect and not never blame the, your partner, never make it the other person's fault. Like, oh, because you act this way and don't text me back fast enough. Like, it, that's why I feel this way. No, but it's also recognizing within ourselves. okay, if you not need but desire a man who can text you more regularly and see you X amount of times per week, then why are you entertaining a relationship with someone who can't give you that because you're making yourself feel anxious? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you know yourself and you know that if you stayed in this and continued this, you're only going to keep feeling anxious. And that's what we talked about today, Katie, is like our what each of us desire in a relationship is different. Our standards are different. Like for mm -hmm. you, you were saying um, you, wouldn't, you would need a man to text you back more regularly than what yeah. I said is okay. Yeah. So, um, for example, if I am going on a date with a guy and it's in a week, like I would expect pretty consistent, um, contact and messaging. If I like sent a message to a guy, I would expect him to reply like probably within 24 hours, 48 hours. So talking like once a day, is that what you yeah. mean? Well, not talking once a day, but like if we're kind of having a conversation, he doesn't just leave me on red and that's it. But like some, communication and then also um making sure he's confirming the date so it's not like all oh, the days come and it's like hey like 
this is still on like obviously it's still on but like why haven't you confirmed that because to me that's important but to you that's different yeah so when i met my current partner he honestly would reply back to me anywhere between one to three days and i i was sort of like oh i would like him to message me more but it's early days and for me i was like it's okay like i would probably think it was strange if this person was like messaging me back all the time like so obsessed mm. like oh my god like that I would be weird too yeah it's like i get that he has a life and that makes me interested like he's gone away to the countryside countryside like mm. an hour away from melbourne for a little bit with his family like that's beautiful you know what i mean and so but I think what's really interesting there and where some people can get sort of a little bit confused is if you're in an unhealthy relationship and you feel anxious and you have these anxious tendencies, you might not necessarily actually have an anxious attachment style. It's just that you're entertaining a relationship that literally cannot give you what you need. Like yeah. for me, I need to see my partner or not need to. I would like to see my partner at least once a week. Of course, we've gone like I've gone four weeks without seeing my partner when I was overseas. But I'm not going to entertain a relationship or be in a relationship where I see my partner like what like once a month because I know that that doesn't like fulfill me. And so I know that I would have more anxious like tendencies if I was in a relationship like that. It doesn't align with your core values of consistent connection and intimacy which the feminine thrives off and that's a thing with something that I've shifted as well in really rewriting the dating rules I've taken a lot of dating masterclasses and read books and done research and sometimes there's these really strict rules of a woman can't message first and a guy has to initiate it has to be this way it has to be that way and it's very black and white when in reality it's just tuning into what do I really value what do I need to feel valued and respected from a man that I'm seeing and setting that as your expectation and as Kelly said it's taking that self-responsibility of recognizing is it just that I have, I'm anxiously attached. So maybe no matter what relationship I enter into, I'm going to have slight tendencies, which I can also work with my partner. If you have an understanding partner, you can actually say to them, Hey, I'm feeling anxiously attached right now. Like I'm having some anxiety, um, you know, and that communication, opening that up, they're able to then support you through that versus you just suffering in silence. And they're like, what's wrong? I don't understand. Especially if, if this is like you dating a man, like a woman dating a man, because men don't read between the lines. They think things are fine unless you tell them something is wrong. Otherwise they're cruising along being like, cool, everything's chill. And next minute the woman (laughs) explodes and they're like, what the heck that came out of nowhere. And this woman's like, I've been holding this resentment in for weeks, months or years. And the guy's totally oblivious. So communication is so important. But then on the flip side, is it alternatively the fact that you're with an unstable, unhealthy man who's presenting red flags, who is aggravating your attachment style, who is unavailable or isn't consistent? And so therefore, you're flaring up so much more than usual. So as Callie said, Callie was in a very inconsistent turbulent relationship where the guy was there and he wasn't and and there was no predictability or reliability and so in that it's almost like a slot machine or the way that the psychologists (laughs) set up the social media platforms and the fact that it gives you these dopamine hits in very unpredictable ways so you keep playing or you keep scrolling because you never know when the next hit is and that can happen Mm. in a relationship we don't understand that 
that so much of a relationship also boils down to biology and chemistry and how you are literally receiving dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, especially if you're involved sexually in that relationship. And these drugs, these, this chemical cocktail in our brains and in our body can also give us this hit or this high, hence why we experience the honeymoon phase. And you can actually get addicted to that. And it's like, am I actually in love with this person or am I just addicted to the chemicals and the game and the rush? So really discerning that and trusting that you know but I think it is really important to especially work on yourself and heal those wounds, heal those patterns and traumas so that when you do enter in a relationship or even if you're in a relationship now, you can take that self-responsibility and stop projecting on your partner um, to recognize that you are your, your relationships always reflect the level and standard that you are embodying within and your nervous system and how regulated it is in that space. Yes, I love that. And so now let's shifting the focus onto friendships, because I know that a lot of us have heard, probably heard about this already in terms of romantic relationships. But what so many of us don't realize is actually this can show up in your friendships as well. And so one of the friendships that I actually ended maybe like two years ago now, I don't know, it's been quite a while, was because um, I had these two friends who was had these severe like anxious attachment style and it like the way that they would behave and interact with all their friends like not just me just made me want to pull away from them and it made me feel anxious and scared towards them which is really interesting because especially as a woman who's been anxiously attached attached before gave me really good insight as to how I potentially made my previous partners or men feel in my life yeah i want to explain this too because i also had someone in my life as well who um who seemed very anxiously attached how this can also show up in friendships is that neediness is um they are constantly vying for your attention um you need to always be there for them messaging them all the time being available all the time for them and it can honestly feel like so much pressure on the other side that have i said the wrong thing or the right thing are they going to be upset by this do i need to show up more um and sometimes there can also be that dread right when it's like they've messaged you or they've invited you and it's like oh my goodness i need to show up in this very particular way and then you realize that this relationship um actually causes you some sense of dread or pressure as well because you need to be so careful in the way that you deal with them. Otherwise, they're going to be upset that you're not showing up enough or you're not showing up in the way that they need you to. And they're putting all this pressure, almost like it is a romantic relationship, which I understand as well that to different people, they have different expectations in platonic relationships as well, that some people are only wanting really deep, intimate connections with their friends to almost like cultivate a family around them, especially people who aren't close to their family or didn't have a proper family family and so they rely on these connections to to create that support network I feel like Kelly you and I don't really necessarily have that same expectation or um, require that same depth in friendships just because I feel like we're very close to our family we're very close to each other like I always say like Kelly is my built-in best friend like no one in my life is probably gonna be as close to me as I am with Kelly like maybe a future husband or something like that, but it's not going to replace a sisterly uh, bond uh, that no. we have. 
You know what I, I mean? I will always be there. Okay? <laughs> Number one. I'll snake my way in. <laughs> snake. Like literally, and I, I guess sometimes, you know, I didn't even realize until more recently how valuable this relationship is. If I want to go to an event, if I want to travel, if I want to do anything, it's like I know I've always got someone there who I can rely on, who's going to come along with me. If I've got anything I need to share, if I need to release something, vent, like we are always messaging, talking, and we've just got this undeniable relationship built on trust, respect, unconditional love that we can just fully authentically be ourselves. And there's no fear, right, Callie, of they're going to leave. You're going to not love me. You're going to judge me. Yeah, we have arguments still all the time. We get on each other's nerves. We can't live together because we realize we trigger each other and we've had past lives again. There's a lot of karma between us that we're still trying to deal with. But ultimately, we're so stable and secure in ourselves that we know no matter how insane we are towards each other, no matter what we go through will still always be there but we also have standards and boundaries for each other as well and that's something that I realized when I was reflecting on my anxious attachment in relationships and how mine also formed in this way of like do they love me oh no we're gonna they're gonna leave I would blow up and catastrophize things to the point where if I had an argument with this person I'll think that they want to break up with me right and it was just an argument it didn't mean anything but there was this constant fear that i wasn't enough or that if i angered them too much they would just want to leave and i realized mm -hmm. wow that's so interesting and it's so exacerbated where to for example in our relationship i'm never overthinking i'm never overanalyzing. i'm not like oh my god we had a fight Callie's not going to be there for me she doesn't love me i'm never thinking oh she hasn't texted me in five days like oh if we don't see each other for over a week like we don't think these things we don't oh have... i <laughs> or do you no i definitely like i always think things are all fine and good but it's so funny because our mum, who i live oh. with well, hardly. I That's see her like story. once a week. But she's always like... Make sure you and Katie have a good relationship, okay? You make sure oh. these kids. When's the last time we talked to her? And that's because she can have a good relationship with her and brother and, and sister. And it's so interesting, she's projecting. right? Yeah, because she's projecting that onto me, and then I start thinking, "Oh my god, am I not like, am I being too too chill? Like, maybe something is wrong." You know I what? It's really funny because she says the same thing to me. She's like, "Make sure you've texted Callie. Like, is everything all good?" And I'm like, "What? Like, we don't even think about like, oh, we haven't talked a couple of days. Something's wrong. Like, we're." always chill right yeah and i'm always like person's perspective is different i'm like mom it's fine and she's like are you sure <laughs> what's katie doing like and, I, and then i'm like you're right she hasn't replied to me and i'm pulling i'll often me. leave callie on red but it's like chill you know katie callie messages me excessively no i do not you do i'm always trying to fix my hair it always is like but the camera's flipped, so I'm what I, I know it's mirrored. I'm like yeah. I'm touching the wrong side. What I did want to mention is, isn't that really interesting? Mm. How when a friend is has an anxious attachment style, that it actually creates anxiety with another person as Literally, well. Literally, it makes me anxious when someone's like that. Yeah, and it's just really interesting because I definitely noticed some really mild patterns of anxious attachment style like for example I messaged my partner's sister like a few days ago about a surprise for his birthday and she didn't reply for like two three days which is the longest she'd never like gone that long without texting me back and I was like that's it she hates me well she just I was, like, I was like no she hates me and she's not getting back to me about this so what because I, I needed her answer to go ahead with this booking and I kept telling my partner I was like she it's not coming back to me i was like seriously it's been two days now it's like been three days 
And then when she got back to me, I was like, it's so funny because this just goes to show I have this story in my head. Someone mm. hasn't replied to me and I make this whole thing up about it. And I mean, I feel like all of us have that to an extent, a little yeah. bit. I mean, there's been that time where you've messaged someone, you're like, it's been a few days. You start but, projecting. Yeah, which is really interesting because that's definitely something to be worked on. Oh my God, my mum is home. I can see her outside. <laughs> Walking. Um. But coming back to the friendships, okay, what does it actually look like to be anxiously attached in your friendships? And so Katie reminded me of that friend that I said I um, cut off quite a few years ago. And so what's interesting about this is that I would never say that it's wrong to be a certain way, but what I would say is that it's unhealthy if you require other people in your life to behave and be and act in a certain way in order for you to feel secure Mm. but that doesn't mean you can't understand it specific way because it's not just broad things of like yeah they have to message back they have to also equally contribute like those things are are basically known but i'm talking about hyper specific detailed things that aren't necessarily widely accepted as rules as like friendship rules in society but these very hyper specific ways that you might project onto your friends if they don't fit and tick all these boxes in the way that they're showing up then you feel like they're not meeting you as a friend or you're not feeling validated by them yeah and i honestly think that a lot of spiritual oh my god my mom's holding our cat up to me (laughs) stop it's like simba like she's waving at me she doesn't know i'm working because she would never do that if she thought i was actually doing work um so i feel like a lot of spiritual people and people um okay maybe this is a generalization but people who get into manifestation and they sort of take things the wrong way and people Mm. say make lists for what you want in a dream friendship and they're like go too far my friend must always offer to pick me up from the airport and it's like what (laughs) like that is not what it's meant to be like and so Mm. with this friendship that i had my friends had these crazy ideas for what a friendship should be like and to me i was like this doesn't align like they would say things like how could you buy a car that only fits four people when our friendship group is five of us? What? That's and, insane. And it's like, oh, they're joking. No, they're not. Deep down, like they meant that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, and I would always come back to you, like, who am I to judge? Mm. I'm not here to judge you, but I am here to be it's like. too much. You hold these really high expectations of like, my friend must treat me like I'm in a romantic relationship mm. with them. And my friend, like ex-friends would say things like, Callie, you're a horrible friend. You just go skiing and go on holidays and you just forget about us. Like you don't see us for a week when like, you go away. And I'm like, want you to have your own life. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. They don't want me to have a life outside of them. Mm. And I'm like, okay, it's not wrong to have that standard for yourself. You can yeah. have that if you want, but you might actually be destroying good and healthy friendships that you have with other people just because they don't meet these like tiny nuance, like little things like that you have in your mind, which can really stem from anxiety. And I think a lot of people have anxiety around their friendships and do my, do my friends really love me? And so to soothe that part of yourself, you create these crazy expectations and you're like, once they meet this, like I'll know. I'll open my heart and I'll be vulnerable finally. But it's like, oh, are you actually self-sabotaging by setting these really high, unachievable expectations that no one actually meets up, like meets them. And so then you're like cutting people off or you're pushing people away. 
right? Yeah. And I think another thing as well to recognize the people who are anxiously attached in relationships too is the consequence. It's not just that they have these really specific ways that you need to meet them and they almost like they make you feel bad or they almost like punish you if you don't show mm. up in that way of like, this is totally not acceptable rather than empathizing and being compassionate and realizing that you're your own human being, you have your own life. And, and also realizing that there's such a different, beautiful spectrum of friendships. I have friends that I talk to multiple times a week, friends that I catch up with all the time, friends that were updating each other every week and what's going on, sending so many voice messages, calls, FaceTimes, all the things. I have other friends that I don't see in months, but we still catch up like we're amazing, good old friends and it works. And we don't necessarily need to be messaging back and forth. We've got our own thing. And that's just how the dynamic landed for that relationship, yeah. you know? And so, yes, I have standards and boundaries, but I also allow things to naturally unfold and it doesn't mean one is better than the other I think all these relationships serve us in their own unique way right and as long as someone's adding value to your life it doesn't have to be like all relationships must show up in a certain way and I'm going to punish them if they don't because then that actually does make the other person want to pull away like it does for me and when I recognize that I'm like oh okay this is maybe how I made men feel in my life, when I was anxiously attached, when I did similar actions, I was putting so much pressure on them. And they were almost like walking on eggshells because they're afraid to hurt my feelings or they're afraid that I'm going to have an outburst um, or question the relationship because um, they weren't showing up in a particular way. Yeah. And what I love about that is when we are actually anxiously attached or just have anxiety in general, which really is just overthinking everything and making everything mm. mean something when it doesn't, is we can create these stories around what friendships should look like. And then it's yeah. like, okay, well, if it's not like that, well, then it's not a good friendship. And like you're saying, like you have so, we have so many friends that we don't talk to all the time, mm. talk to them once a month or whatever. But like, for example, my best friend, Tanya, I call my best friend because I love her so much. We haven't talked, hardly talked in the last couple of months, yet um, I know that I'm going to come to, like, the UK again. We're going to hang out. We're going to have the best time ever. We're going to, like, have sleepovers every night. Do you get what I mean? And yeah. it's like it's a level of trust. Yeah, that level of trust. And I think that if we can actually break away from these stories that we've created around how things are supposed to look and be, then you can actually make space and room for a healthy friendship or relationship to actually unravel in its place yeah I love that and another thing I wanted to mention as well with anxious attachment is that people often read the word anxious and associate it with anxiety and you might not necessarily have anxiety in your life or really feel like you connect with that word but you're still anxiously attached for example I don't really experience much anxiety at all. I wouldn't say I'm an anxious person, but when I had anxious attachment, the it wasn't necessarily that I felt anxiety, but let's say for example, if I was seeing a guy and um he he left and where, you know, I, he went somewhere, I'm not seeing him in that date or whatever, and then I wasn't sure the next time I'm going to see him. That for me created that anxiousness of okay yeah it's natural to be disappointed when you you know you're not seeing your partner in between but there's a difference between feeling disappointed versus feeling anxious of like I don't feel good like there's a pit in my stomach when am I going to see them again 
I don't know. I need to see, I, they haven't texted me and like, oh yeah, he hasn't texted me. Good morning. Yeah. I feel a bit disappointed or, oh my God, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Oh my God. Like, you know what I mean? And so that's also a difference as well. And so if you're relating now, just noticing, are you anxiously attached in your relationships, platonic or romantic, just noticing, yes, there's a difference between disliking something. I dislike when my friend shows up like that. I dislike when my friend gossips or has these standards that are super high, or is it um, actually a charged emotion of this is triggering me? Like their actions are triggering me. It's not enough. I'm feeling like I deserve more. And so that's also helpful as well because some people just be like, oh, I don't have anxiety in my relationship, but they can still come across as like, very anxiously attached as a friend yeah and uh, how that really feels like i want to talk about this a bit more is like so how does it actually feel when someone is like when one friend's anxiously attached and the other person then it makes them want to pull away so it's sort of like let's say katie and i were just good friends here or even sisters right and i'm every day i'm texting you and i'm calling you and i'm like hey tell me how your day was and then i'm like um upset with you you haven't gotten back to me within a few days yeah oh you've left me on red and I'm all like like this is not a good friendship yeah it's not enough it's this person you know this person needs to change they need to be more like this you need to be more like this and that and then I'll be happy because these are my standards and this is what I stand by it then what how would you say that would make you feel so if I oh sorry yeah, well, is that the question that you're asking me? How would that make me feel? Yeah, how would that make you feel? Those were the things that I was doing, texting you a lot, calling you every single day, and I had the expectation that you had to text me that much. And yeah. I was telling you, oh, my standard is um, that I talk to my friends more, more often and this and yeah. that. And I think, again, even with that, there's a fine line of like, bringing people up to your standard in some way of you, if you want them to contribute more, if you want them to initiate more, let's say if you're the one only initiating in the friendship and they're not, okay, that's some, that's a, a, a pretty typical standard that you can bring someone up to date with. But if you're like that, and for example, Callie and I are like that, I would say Callie texts me a lot more. I'm the one leaving her on red a lot more. Um, but that's just how it is. But there's no like anger, resentment. There's Callie's not like, oh, it should be different. Callie doesn't expect me to text her more, to show up the way I she does. I don't read into it and yeah. I don't make it mean something that it's not. It's not. Yeah, because me leaving Callie on red doesn't mean I don't like her or I don't love her. I'm just like sometimes inundated with messages and things and I just don't get back or whatever. Or I'm a slow replier. It doesn't mean it's not personal. This right? is what an anxious attachment style does to you. Yeah. It tells you these stories and it makes everything personal and it confuses the shit out of you because it says this person has not replied to me or they left me on red. It's been two days or 24 hours. They hate me. They don't love me. The friendship is over. Yeah. They don't that's, value me. That's what an anxious attachment style is versus mm-hmm. having standards where it's like, oh, exactly. actually like that just doesn't align with me, but I'm not like super angry and like, fuck this person I'm never and gonna talk to them and again. just noticing like are your standards so black and white like they have to show up in this way otherwise not it's a no deal right and it's like with the feminine when, and when dropping it out into our hearts it's just tuning into our intuition of does this truly feel right or am I acting from my head and abiding by this list that I made and it has to tick off every single box right so just tuning into that but I'm going to go back and answer your question of how does it feel 
I just need to plug my laptop in because they're going longer than I realized to charge. So I'm just going to turn my camera off while you go and do that. Please continue yeah, answering the good. question. <laughs> so how that makes me feel is it puts a lot of pressure on me and it actually feels unattractive. It feels, um, it, 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 it actually puts me off. It's off-putting to have these really high standards and expectations and it feels like, well, you just don't understand that our relationship can be so much more chill, that you're over-exaggerating things. And so, yeah, it kind of makes me feel like, oh, now I have to message her back every single time within a few hours. Otherwise, she's going to be upset. Okay, now that adds pressure on me to reply quicker. Now I feel like when I'm messaging you, I'm overthinking. Am I texting her right? Am I doing the right thing? Am I texting her enough? Um, is she going to be happy? Because when you're in a relationship, when you're messaging and doing all these things, interacting, you shouldn't have to be overthinking or analyzing. You shouldn't be thinking, oh, am I showing up the right way? Am I, am I feeling her needs? Is she happy? It should just be a natural flow. And so to me, that really puts, it. it's like a, a log in a river. Like it really just creates so much resistance and I'm not able to show up and enjoy the relationship as much because now I'm into overthinking and I'm in pressure. And so the easiest thing for me is to actually lean away, is to actually, mm -hmm. it's too much pressure having to deal with a relationship that is holding me to these crazy standards and ways of being. And so I'm probably going to interact less. I'm probably yeah. going to lean away. I'm probably going to avoid the pressure. If something makes me feel icky, gives me resistance and stress, of course, I'm not going to lean into that. I'm going to lean out, right? You want to enter into relationships that make you feel good. Yes, the people also responsive, but there's no pressure. It feels flowy. It feels easy. It feels like no effort at all, right? You know, there are some people and that's the thing, like I might have five messages on my phone, but there's some people are going to reply to more than others just because I feel like it's less resistance versus some people expect that when I reply, oh my God, we have to dive into a whole, whole conversation versus other people. It's like, it doesn't have to be so back and forth. So that's yeah. about your, um, your bandwidth, like the yeah. energy that you exactly. actually have to give to others. Right. And so that I agree, like it's the same thing. There are going to be people that I know I can just text um, a quick message and it's like mm -hmm. done and they'll reply like later in the day or the next day. It's not like yeah. there are some people that I know if I reply now, they're they going to send me two yeah. paragraphs, three <laughs> fucking voice notes, and then I'm yeah, going to have to sit much. here for the next 20 minutes having a conversation when I'm actually busy doing other things. I think that's yeah. a big thing to recognize is you get caught up in your head and you think someone hates you and this and that, they might not have the energy or the bandwidth to actually give you the attention yeah. that they want to give you. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. It's like, I don't want to open your message now and then exactly. not give you what I know that at a different time, if I opened it, I can give you yes. a better response. And so don't you think that that is like more intentional as well? Because it's like, I know what you need. So I'm going to hold off until I have the energy and space to do that. And then I'm going to show up with what you need, right? So for example, if you want high quality dates from a guy, um, but he's thinking, okay, quantity over quality, I'm going to see her often, but I'm just going to see her and pop over to her house um, for 10 minutes every single day. She's going to be happier than if I plan a beautiful three hour date once a week. like. The woman probably wants a beautiful three-hour intentional date once a week versus just the 10-minute whatever because he has 
better bandwidth to be intentional rather than just trying to to meet your needs in this like half way you know way of being so yeah yeah, I love that and recognizing that and just being open and flowy and even in yourself like noticing your own expectations in relationship and is it healthy is it serving the person and yourself yeah absolutely and it's really interesting to note that um anxious attachment feelings anxious attachment and anxiety and all of this it really just represents close-heartedness right because your heart is actually closed not to the other person but to yourself because if you are needing this validation, you are needing this love, you are needing whatever it is from this other person so you can feel sane, which that normally is what anxious attachment style is. It's like, I need you to reply to me every day. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I'm going to feel negatively within myself. Well, your heart's probably closed to a part of yourself that you haven't been able to see yet, that part of yourself that you aren't giving love. And it might actually be the part of yourself that you're not giving love is that anxious part of yourself. Yeah, it's like that little girl And that's what I kind of experienced myself of seeing what accumulated to create and manifest this anxious attachment to begin with. And through healing work, a lot of somatic release, um, trauma release and kinesiology, I was able to heal that. It wasn't just talking about, like I read the book Attached, it was great. I knew I was an anxious attachment. I could list out all my tendencies and and um, what's the other thing? There's a, a protest behaviors. That's another thing you learn in the book. So some of my protest behaviors was like avoid sometimes. If I didn't, if I was upset and anxious, the guy would message me. I wouldn't message him because I'm protesting. But what I I'm not actually avoiding in that situation. I'm actually bidding for his love because by avoiding, I'm actually wanting him to come closer. So that's another whole thing in anxious attachment as well. But I was so aware of it, but it wasn't until I actually released it from my nervous system, felt safe and loved myself deeper. That's when I healed it. So I healed my fatherhood wound. I went into the little girl within me who didn't feel loved, who needed daddy's attention, who was looking for that in men, in relationships, right? And so the anxious attachment was that inner little girl who had unmet needs, who was crying out. And so anxious attachment can almost feel like a little child, right? Because you haven't matured and healed that trauma from your inner child. So your inner child is actually running the show. And so healing that enabled me to show up confidently and heal my um, anxious attachment. Cord cutting, doing things like that, um, tuning into my self-worth, self-love. And then ultimately that was how I was able to heal that. Yes. And isn't it so powerful to actually like through that whole process, I'm sure you actually just loved and supported that anxious part of yourself rather than hating it, shaming it and feeling anger towards it. And I think that's where so many of us can unfortunately go wrong is we listen to podcasts like this and we're like, oh, I have an anxious attack this on. Now I hate myself. And I'm so mad every time I notice this pattern and you're creating such a big um, disconnection within yourself because you're like, I hate this part of myself and I wish it would go away. But that hate is what your heart is closed to that Mm. part of yourself. You're creating, you're literally separating yourself. You are no longer one inside here. You're like two individual things and fighting this part of yourself that if you could actually, I did a session with a client the other day actually around the same stuff, around feeling anxiously attached, dating a new man. And basically what we did is I was like, I want you to find and meet that part of yourself that feels anxious and I want you to give her love. Yeah. And she was like, she was like, oh my God, I feel like 
she's getting exactly what she has needed and wanted. There is a hair in my face right now. Needed and wanted all this time. And I'm like, literally, like, I'm going to cry for you right now and realize, like, that anxious part of you, what is she desiring? Like, she wants love. She wants validation. You can give that to yourself, which is exactly what you're talking about, which what, like, you went through, Katie. Yeah, it's so beautiful because, as you said, we do have these parts of ourselves, and they're not going to go away through hatred or judgment or shame. That's just going to dig the hole deeper. That's just going to repress it further down. And so, as you said, I revisit my inner child all the time. I check up on her, Katie, what do you need? Asking that simple question, how can I help you? How can I support you? And almost every single time without fail, it's I just need your love. I just need your attention. I just need to be held. I just need a hug. And so I just visualize that and I give her that. And that support enables her to feel more comfortable and regulated. So then my adult self is more regulated as well. Because when you heal the past, you heal your your present self and your future self because all timelines are one, right? Um, I was going to say something else as well in it regards to, to... It's coming to you right now. Yeah, it's in regards to healing the inner child. And um, giving her love. Um, yeah. What was it? Well... While we think about that, we said that we would start doing short. I know. I knew that. Like we just end up talking. Oh my god! I've almost got it. You've almost got it. It's coming. Uh, yeah. Coming. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's coming um, back to you. So, the inner child healing. About the inner child healing. Yeah, it's something about that. Like okay, if it's that. gone, it's not meant to be. <laughs> it's not meant to be. Like, but if it's meant to be, it will come back before the end of this episode. Oh, yes, so. I remember now. Okay. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's so, um, so essentially what I was going to say is like imagine, okay, a child, if a child is feeling anxious, what are you going to do to help them? Are you going to shame them? Are you going to hate them? Are yeah, you going to judge them? You're wrong for feeling anxious. Why are you feeling anxious? I hate that you're anxious. You're annoying me. You're irritating me. Like what the heck? The child is just going to literally just contract and cry and it's just going to make it worse. And so treat yourself as you would a little child, right? You don't judge and shame a child into healing, into showing up better. If a a child is crying, if a child is hurt or emotionally upset, what, what is all they need? What are they crying out for? love, support, being held. It's simple, right? And so it's the same within you. Just because we are grown mature adults now, it doesn't mean that we all of a sudden change the way in which we should help ourselves. We are all actually just little children underneath. Like our core self is that inner child. And so that's really all that they need. So really think about that next time, or especially if you have children, treat yourself in the way that you want to treat your children right? So if your child is hurt or upset, you wouldn't berate them. You wouldn't judge them and yell at them and scream at them and shame them. At least I and if you do, I think you need to get help. <laughs> you need to learn. Like we will get do, triggered, yeah. obviously. No, but, but like you, uh, every parent wishes for that deep down, like to, to not traumatize their children, especially if you're listening to this podcast, like you're doing that work. And so you then think about, okay, Imagine you were your son or your daughter or your child. Okay, how would you treat them in this moment? If they were scared, if they were anxious, they were avoidant, how would you treat them in this moment to help them feel safe? And that can really, really help you see it in a different light. 
Yeah, and totally just transform the way that you treat yourself when you're mm. going through something like this as well. And that's yeah. going to be really powerful and really, really life-changing. And I think that doing the inner work, doing the um, trauma release and all of those things are so vital because all of that work is going to help you to open your heart again, to open your heart to yourself because when your heart is fully open to yourself and loving all parts of yourself, the anxious part of yourself, the part of yourself that doubts, the part of yourself that's scared, you become so whole within yourself that then you are able to actually love, commit, and all of the things to someone else, right? And so when we hear about this open-heartedness work, we're like, oh, we need to open my heart to the world. You naturally will open your heart to the world when you're open to your own internal world. And this really is the work that I focus on doing with my private one-on-one clients, doing your trauma healing, releasing all that stuff, and checking in with our heart throughout that whole process and seeing, okay, how is our heart feeling? Is it feeling more open? How can we help to open it deeper to ourselves? Because that's really going to transfer and reflect so deeply into our external relationships. I can fully attest to Kelly's work. I've done so much kinesiology and, and somatic release trauma therapy, and that's what's really um, helped me release and um, transform my anxious attachment. So another way that you can dive deeper into this work is also in the Conscious Queens Collectives. This is my 12-month high-level program where we infuse teaching, healing, and coaching together. It's a year-long experience. And on the inside, we have so many healings that are going to support you and your nervous system as you continue to up-level. So we have inner child healing. We have things like womb healings, which helped me release my period pain, my feminine shame. Um, we have um, healing, healing your inner victim. Um, this month, the theme is inner union. So I have a two-part workshop, which is all about um, cultivating harmony between your inner masculine and feminine, working through your wounded feminine, your wounded masculine, and actually having a ceremony together to bring together your inner king and queen. So, so often we think that we need to learn how to relate outside in our external relationships but your external relationships just reflect the relationship that you have within so it doesn't matter what gender that you are but each of us have an inner man and an inner woman and so often we sway towards one and we tend to abandon the other and so inside of this program i'm going to teach you how to actually unify both of those to meet the unmet needs to actually meet your inner king and queen and bring them together in ceremonial union so i'm really really excited for this beautiful um training beautiful workshop which is you can buy separately or you can also join us in the full 12 month experience of the conscious queens collective so beautiful that sounds so incredible like i know you just channeled that the other day and that i'm so excited i'm so excited for you so for all the details to join any of our programs or to work with us it will be in the show notes but thank you so much for tuning in today. If you love today's episode, then please reach out to let us know because we love doing this work and we love even more like hearing your feedback and how everything landed for you guys. And we will stay connected with everyone on Instagram and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye, everyone. Bye.